Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. Well, it's great to see you this morning. I'm super excited about our time together in God's Word. If you have your Bibles, would you please turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 1 to 20. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. We're going to talk about the story of Christmas today. And I pray, pray that we'll have uh, a genuine wonder and awe. Just be amazed at who our Lord is and who our God is. That we'll just appreciate. I know it's a familiar story, but as I prepared today, I was just really rocked by uh, seeing some things in the scripture that I hadn't even seen before, and it was very encouraging for me. We want to be a people. We are a people who share what we have seen heard and experienced of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we declare that Jesus is our Savior, He is our Messiah, and He is Lord of this entire world. That's our declaration, and I want to say that is really good news that brings great joy, and that's what we have for today, good news that brings great joy. Father, we pray you'll anoint our time together in your word. Lord, thank you for meeting with us in worship. Again, we're so grateful for Wendy and Eliana leading us today and helping us to connect with you. We are so grateful for the honor that's in this place and the deep relationships that you build into this place. Lord, all the way and every part of our church is important. There's no part less important than another. So we speak a blessing to our nursery workers and to our children and our kid care ministry. We speak a blessing to our children's ministry, our youth ministry, our small group ministry, our ladies and men's ministries. We speak a blessing today to our missionaries that are scattered throughout the earth. Would you be with them, Lord? Would you bless them and resource them? Lord, we bless them today. Thank you for their, their incarnating the word in their spheres of influence cross-culturally. Lord, I pray for the people in this room and the people online. Lord, I'm so grateful for them. I, I pray that today our joy would increase. I pray that we would be fueled with more of the joy of the Lord, and we would stand in awe and wonder of you. Again, Lord, we ask you, take words, and would you use words and anoint them with the power of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the pinpoint accuracy of Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn. A she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. 
I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men and women on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. There's two interesting supernatural births that take place in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. And Gabriel is at the announcement of both supernatural births. At the birth of John the Baptist, Elizabeth was someone who was without child. She had not been able to have, uh, to get pregnant. She had not been able to have a child. And Gabriel shows up on the scene and announces that John is going to be born, and he's going to be a forerunner, a preparer for the way of the Lord. And then Gabriel also shows up to Mary, right? And, uh, but although they're similar, there is also a difference. John is declared to be the forerunner, the preparer of the way for the coming of the Lord. And then when Gabriel shows up, there's some other things that happen at the same time, right? And so Jesus is obviously presented, even though there's two supernatural births, there's a difference in the announcement. And then the birth of John is located in the days of King Herod of Judea in Luke chapter uh, 1 verse 5. And so it puts it in that geographical location there in the nation, there in among the people. But when Jesus is born, it's placed where? They talk about Caesar Augustus. It's actually in the context of the religious political platform during the reign of Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, the one who, quote, ruled the whole world. And so they're similar in the announcement about ruler and its place, but one is a local rule and the other is talking about a much wider political platform. And then whereas the friends and relatives spread the miraculous happenings concerning John's birth through the human grapevine, we read about that in Luke chapter 1 verse 65, an angel announces the birth of Jesus and then over and above the spirit-filled, anointed, prophetic word that Zechariah gets about his son, John, angelic hosts show up on the scene. There's not just the declaration of one man. There's the declaration of the armies of heaven showing up to declare who Jesus is and to worship and to talk about what it means for God's son to come into this world. And so... There's a prophetic announcement at John the Baptist's birth, and at Jesus' birth, there's an angelic host that sings a doxology, that sings glory and praises to the Lord God Almighty. 
I've read this, this story. I've read Luke over and over and over, and I'd really not thought about the similarities, and I'd really not thought about what the Lord was trying to say to us in these significant differences. But I want you to know our God is involved in the affairs of men, women, boys, and girls, not just at the birth of Jesus, but he's involved with you and me today. He is our supernatural God. And then the scripture clearly makes a difference and says that John came to prepare the way for the Lord Jesus. He is the forerunner for the long-awaited Messiah, the one who would fulfill all the scriptural promises of the divine person of the lineage of David who would come and establish David's kingdom. And John the Baptist is recognized as forerunner, prophet of the Most High, but Jesus is given the title Savior, Messiah, and Lord. Those titles are who our Jesus is. So there's a lot of similarities, but there's some amazing differences. And then in this passage, I want to contrast two rulers that, that God in his sovereignty as he led Luke to write by the power of the Holy Spirit, he put that phrase in the time, in the reign of Caesar Augustus. And so in that, what God is trying to say from us, say to us is sometimes missed. We don't recognize the bold announcement, the incredible declaration that is made. And the context, look back in your, in your scripture to Luke chapter 2, verse 10 to 11. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So again, Jesus is Savior. He's Messiah or Christ, the anointed, the appointed one. And he is Lord, master, ruler. Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus was actually, in this time, he was called he was called Savior. They actually called Caesar Augustus the Savior of the world, and he was the author of what's called Roman peace. So here's a, here's a man in the flesh. Here's someone that people are referring to as a Savior. He was also the anointed one. Even the term Augustus, that conferred a title by the Roman Senate upon him, which implicated him as a son of God or son of the divine, and uh, Caesar Augustus actually called himself, he actually called himself son of God. And then his title, he was emperor. He was emperor of the known world. He actually considered himself and he was described by people of that day as the king of the world, as the king of the world. And so setting the birth of Israel's king against the reign of Augustus that is a bold statement, amen? Sometimes we just miss that. We just think, oh, God's just given us some historical context. God is just wanting us to know that this was the time, this was the place. But I want you to know when Jesus shows up on the scene, there are two rulers and two ways of ruling that are actually contrasted and they stand opposed to one another. So there's one that's called a savior. There's one that's called divine there's one that's called the anointed or the appointed one. But Jesus Christ, so the title that we read about Jesus in verse 11, he is the Savior, he is the Christ, and he is the Lord. Jesus Christ, the Lord. Jesus' name, you know from the 
in the Greek, Joshua in the Old Testament, it actually means God saves. Jesus means that, God saves. And then Christ, Jesus is the appointed one, the anointed one, the Messiah who is fulfilling the promises which God gave that there would be a Davidic Messiah, there would be someone on the throne to establish the kingdom of God. And Isaiah chapter 9 talks about the expansion of this kingdom will never end. It'll never stop. And what was launched at this time in history is continuing to this day until it fills the whole world, the whole universe with the rule and the reign of the appointed one, the anointed one. And I love the scripture. One of the Psalms says, oh God, look at that man at your right hand. There's no one else worthy as him. I, I, I tell you, there's such a, here we're talking about an earthly, earthly ruler, Caesar Augustus, but, but God wants us to say, I'm talking about someone that's at my right hand, ruling and reigning with me, who's fulfilled everything. And he is the savior and the Christ. And then he is the Lord master, ruler, king of everything. The content of the good news is focused on one person. It's not on a government. It's not a political party. It's on a man, the man, the son of God, Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord. And the wait is over. God's promise to Israel's ancestors has come to fulfill his word. I want you to know our God keeps his word. He gives his word. He gives his promises. He reveals his plans. And then our God works to make it so. Amen. And especially in this day when things are in turmoil, when everything seems to be going nuts, and we literally in the midst of anxiety and fear and anger seem to have lost our mind. I want you to know it's really good news that our God says something and then he moves it to completion. That's how sovereign he is. That's how powerful and glorious our God is. And so Jesus in Luke chapter 1 is referred to as the horn of salvation in Zacharias' hymn that he sings in verse 69 to 71. And the title, Savior and Lord, those are always applied in the Old Testament to Yahweh, to God. He is clearly God, and he's the Messiah, the anointed one who rules over the city of David and extends and expands his, king, his kingdom. And so isn't it interesting, though, that here there's Caesar Augustus who has all the trappings, who has all the military power, all the economic power, all the political power of that day, and the king of heaven and earth comes as a little baby, a gurgling baby. What an entrance. What an entrance. You know, several times Luke points out that you're going to find him in his manger. He was placed in a manger. And you know, a lot of people are focused on the manger. Do you know what the manger was? It shall be a sign to you. It was actually so the shepherds, when they go into Bethlehem, they'll know which baby they're talking about, right? It's a baby that's swaddled and a baby lying in a trough. And so, and they found, just as it was said, they found him in the manger. It's a sign. But I want you to know it's a sign of humility, but it is couched in glory. Amen? The power of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, I'm praying right now that you'll give us a revelation and appreciation of what it is that you're trying to say to us. Again, the Jews were looking for somebody that would come and annihilate their oppressors. 
They were looking for a, a warrior. They were looking for a deliverer. They were looking for someone. They were not looking for an infant to show up on the scene. But God's ways are not our ways. And Jesus shows up as a babe. He's going to take on our flesh. He's going to humble himself, Philippians chapter 2 says, to the point of being a humble servant, even to the point of death, death on a cross, He's going to humble himself, and he's going to come, and when he rides into town, it's going to be on a donkey, not on a championship thoroughbred, not on a horse of war. Now, he's going to come back that way, right? But his first coming, he was coming to begin the kingdom, to inaugurate the kingdom, to show us, and he was coming to turn things upside down. I just, I was just stunned when I began to think about the differences between these two rulers and one making a claim and now 2,000 years later, there's no one spending time worshiping Caesar Augustus. There's no one following him, surrendering life to him, following him across the threshold of death into the glory of heaven. There's no one doing that and yet here we are, uh, a kingdom that will never end, Amen. A king who has no end. A, a king who can back up all that he says and all that he does. Oh, this is good news of great joy. And it is starkly different and contrasted with even the political realm and the, the time of their day. Jesus Christ the Lord. Jesus Christ the Lord. What a... You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, by the way, is the shortest expression of the testimony of the gospel. Jesus Christ the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. That, get, that tells us who he is. Savior, he's Messiah and King. You've got the gospel right there in his name. And then the worldviews, the biblical worldview, when the people of Jesus' day heard that Jesus is Savior, Messiah and Lord, they would have thought of the Old Testament context in which they were raised, especially the Jews of this day. They knew that those titles belonged to God and belonged to the reign and the rule of the Lord. And there were Old Testament prophecies concerning especially Messiah, then that God was our Savior and that God was our Lord. So when I read the scriptures, that's what I always think about, Jesus fulfilling it. But think about this, the political worldview. When the people heard the proclamation that Jesus is Savior, Messiah, and Lord, what they heard was they heard about a confrontation between two kingdoms, the kingdoms of this world and the kingdoms of our God. To hear that testimony, that actually meant that you are submitting your loyalty to someone other than the current rulers of the day. And you are saying this kingdom supersedes any earthly kingdom that you're trying to promote or you're trying to be a part of. And so it's, it's really interesting what the Lord is saying here through Luke, the writer of this gospel. The birth of this little boy is the beginning of the confrontation between the kingdom of God in its apparent weakness in its insignificance, in its vulnerability, and the kingdoms of this world. You know, Augustus never heard of Jesus of Nazareth. But within a hundred years or so, his successors in Rome had not only heard of Jesus, they were taking steps to obliterate his followers. 
within just three centuries or 300 years, the emperor of Rome himself becomes a Christian. When you see this manger on a card or at a church, or you see it somewhere, don't just stop at the crib. Just don't think about there's a babe in a manger. See what it's pointing to. It's pointing to the explosive truth that the baby lying there is already declared the true ruler and king of this world. The rest of the story in the Gospel of Luke and then in the books, book of Acts will tell how this kingdom is formed and fashioned and expanded throughout the earth. Listen, what happened here was bigger than a nuclear explosion that shook the planet and the universe. So there's a contrast. There's this supernatural announcement. There's these two rulers. There's these two kings. And there's these different worldviews that are all getting stirred up. And this is happening in in the most understated way, right? So Mary goes to Bethlehem, and the Bible says she was with child, and she gave birth to a son. Now, the ladies in the room that have been through the birth process, that is significantly understated, is it not? And she had to go, what was it, 85, 90 miles from from Nazareth to Bethlehem? And, And... She's evidently great with child. So probably riding on the back of a donkey or whatever, that's one tough lady. Amen? And then they go to this place, and because everybody's had to come there, you know, it's really hard to find a place. But the people in their hospitality find a place. They find a place for her. But, you know, you can call it a barn. You can call it a cave. It's it's not in the Ritz-Carlton, Right? And when the baby's born, she swaddles the baby. So can you imagine, guys, what's Joseph doing? I mean, back in this day, obviously, they had a home birth. That was more normal, you know. But, but wow, talk about understated. She gave birth to a child and laid him in a manger, wrapped him up and put him in a manger. And I'm just going, this is how the king of the world comes. Jesus is always understated, Right? People tell me all the time, hey, if God will prove himself to me, then I'll believe. Rich man in Lazarus, do you remember that story? The rich man ends up in separation from God in a place of burning and fire and realizes, hey, there really is an eternity. There's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. And would you please have Lazarus go and tell, somebody needs to tell my brothers, tell my family that this is serious. And Lord Jesus says in that story, even if somebody rises from the dead and goes and tells them, they won't believe. Have we grown dull? Oh, Calvary. I really want to be a part of a people who are really hungry, who are really growing, and say, I can't get enough of this king. I can't get enough of God and what he wants to do in my life, what he wants to do through my life. I want to be a part of a generation like that that's being used by God. And there's just a net. By the way, we talk about what we're really excited about. And so for many people, you can tell what's really on their mind. Just listen to their Listen to what they're talking about. And so I hope that at some point your passion and your zeal and your wonder and your awe for what Jesus is doing in your life right now, I'm not talking about what he did 
5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, that one encounter. I want you to know, I hope you're excited about what God's doing in your life today. And he might be coming in an indescript kind of way, in a really, a really sedate kind of way, without fanfare and glory, that, oh my goodness, he's at work in our lives. And sometimes all we can say is, you know, the Lord's putting his finger on this in my life, and I don't think he wants it in my life. But what do you think he wants to do? Actually, I don't have that revelation yet. I'm not really clear. All I know is this has to change. That's my current reality. Then sometimes we've got the preferred future, right? We're aware of what he wants to do, and now we're in the gap. We see where we are, and we see where we're going, and we're going, well, how am I going to get there? And we just share that. Our testimony doesn't have to be old, what he did 5 or 10 or 15 years ago. I hope you'll make it current. By the way, lost people are not impressed when we only share with them all the victories that God has done in our lives, like we've got it all together. It's okay to share with them, you know what? The Lord's teaching me that I have an attitude problem, or I struggle with finances, or, you know, I'm, I'm rather perturbed by the conversations in our culture today. And, and I don't want to be like that. So with God helping me, I'm going to change. You know, that kind of authenticity is attractive, isn't it? Yeah. And then a couple more themes. God's sovereign over history Another thing that appears in this passage is his sovereignty. This historical context in Luke chapter 2, 1 to 3 is not just to be understood as an accidental reference, but rather it shows how God, as ruler over the nations, actually directs Caesar Augustus to make a decree about a census in order to fulfill words that God had spoken centuries, centuries beyond that and before that. The detail that our Lord goes to, you know, and, and, and the scripture says that he's going to be from Nazareth, he's going to be called up out of Egypt, and he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And how did, how did he get to all those different places? Oh, our God is amazing in his leadership, amen? But it's not just about Jesus, it's about you. You know, again, last week we unpacked, uh, the week before that, Isaiah chapter 9, and we looked at wonderful counselor, and that actually uh, wonderful is just that awe and that majesty, and then counselor actually means master strategist. And, and that's one of the things that I've declared him as, and so I was really excited to find that phrase that counselor means master strategist, because I've called God that my whole life, because I'm amazed and, and I've been here a number of decades now, and I look back over the time, and how God put things together to get me right where I am is amazing and mysterious and marvelous and stunning. I mean, he's got to go to a lot of trouble to get this person to say this to this person to, you know, and, and, and I'm sitting there praying before anything ever happens and said, Lord, what's your will for me? What do you want me to do after college? You just want me to go to seminary? And, and I'm actually listening to tapes, every tape I could get on how to know the will of God back before I believed that God speaks today. I was listening to everybody that I could get every tape on hand, and I was listening to that. And then I get this call to help come start a church in Northwest Houston and just help knock on doors. And then uh, 40 years later, I'm still here. You know what I'm saying? 
I didn't get lost along the way. Some of you think that. No, 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 no. No, God led, God directed. But my point is, I'm asking him, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? And so he just, what if he just showed up and answered that prayer? Well, let me just tell you, since we're several months out, uh, there's going to be a brand new church that I've had in my mind since the beginning. It's going to be starting in the most, the, the fastest growing part of Houston, Texas, which is the fastest growing part of the United States of America. But there's no church there right now, but I'm going to have you be a part of that church. That would have fried my brain, right? I hope my response would have been, yay, yippee, let's go. But, but I would have had some questions, I think. Who's going to do this? How are we going to do this? Where are we going to be? How are we going to, you know? And I'm kind of glad the Lord doesn't give us the full plan ahead of time, right? And answer all of our questions. Lord, if you don't tell me what I'm doing, then I don't think I can get in on it. Listen, listen, even what God tells us, we're in awe of, and we're just amazed by what he does, amen? And we're going, how did he pull that off? How is he going to bring peace to this whole world? How is, how is revival going to come? How are breakthroughs going to come? And we're going, you know, it's, it's really hard. And then we see the work of a virus that shakes the world and turns it upside down overnight. And, and the suddenlies in the New Testament actually begin to make sense, don't they? God can do this suddenly. Suddenly. Anyway, I love to call God master strategist. I'm just, I'm amazed at how he puts things together. I'm really glad that he put you and me together. And those of you online, I'm really glad. Do you know the, what he had to do to get us to this point today in this room, a divine appointment in here? Now, think about that. And then God comes to the poor, the marginalized, and to those in need. God's visitation of salvation it came to the humble and to the hungry. That's what was prophesied in Luke chapter 1 and in verse 48 and 52 and verse 53. God's announcement, God's revelation, God's visitation comes to the humble and to the hungry, not to the rich and not to the proud. Those present at the birth of Jesus... They weren't this world's rulers. It wasn't Caesar Augustus. It wasn't Herod. It wasn't wasn't the, the religious leaders or the political leaders. Rather, this invitation to get in on what God was doing was extended to shepherds, to shepherds. Now, I... Biblically, what we know about shepherds is they were one of the most marginalized. They were doing shift work before there was shift work, right? They were out in the dark all night long taking care of the sheep. And it says they lived in the fields. I mean, they lived outside taking, and and they were actually considered one of the lowest of the lows. So in his wisdom, God doesn't make this announcement in Rome or in Jerusalem but out in a field outside Bethlehem to some shepherds. Think about that with me, will you? The announcement, what about the announcement to Elizabeth? Someone that all the culture says God has forsaken her, she doesn't have a child. She has been forgotten by God, and God comes and and gives us the forerunner. What about to Mary, a teenage girl? And then these shepherds. And again, we're not talking, Bethlehem 
was actually uh, one of the tiniest places. God does things differently, doesn't he? I mean, I would, I would want the TV. I'd want the reporters there. I'd want this to go across the Internet. I'd want this flashed everywhere. And, and God gives his best show for some shepherds. And can you imagine what they're looking up at? Can, can you imagine? And then the angel has to say to them what they always have to say when they show up on the scene, right? Don't be afraid. Get up. <laughs> Don't die. <laughs> you know, and we're going, God, I want you to visit. I want the outpouring. I want you to come. One of the first things he's going to have to say is say, hey, it's okay, right? The angelic visitation and invitation was extended to the most fringe parts of society, to the shepherds. So there's some applications. Jesus comes to the humble and to the hungry, not to the proud and the rich. Jesus comes to the poor, the marginalized, to those in need, to the lost and the forgotten, to the overlooked, to the least and the last. Good news, Jesus comes for you and me. That's really good news. That's full of great joy. And then Jesus is God with us, Emmanuel. I want you to know that if you're hurting, Jesus is healer and he's your helper. If you're discouraged, God is with you to be your source of hope and joy. If you're defeated and dejected, God is with you as your champion, your defender, and your overcomer. If you feel alone, forgotten, forsaken, neglected, abandoned, God is with you by the Spirit of Christ, and he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God is with you. God is with me right now. And that's really good news, which results in great joy. And then Jesus is worthy of our testimony. He's worthy of us expressing what we've seen, heard, and experienced. If you're part of the family of God, we get to make the announcement like the angel did today in the city of David has been born for you a Savior, and he is Christ the Lord. Jesus is Messiah. He is Savior, Messiah, and Lord. That means good news. He's transforming us right now because he's Savior, Messiah, and Lord. And so Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13 says, we get to work out what he's working in us. Now think about that for a minute. We get to work out, the scripture tells us, work out, with fear and trembling, your own salvation, verse 12, because verse 13, it is God who is already at work within you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Well, where do we get this? You see this in the birth of the purposes of God through Mary. Amen? She was overshadowed, shimmering light, something God's presence, like at the temple, comes over her. She doesn't know a man, and yet there's a pregnancy. She got to work out what God worked in her. That's tangible, amen? May I tell you that God is tangibly at work in you? Are you working out what he's working in you? May I say it differently? Are you working to give birth to what he has already started in you? Did you know we have an enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy? He wants to abort God's purposes in us. But we be like Mary and say, may it be done unto me according to your word. She says, how is this going to happen? 
<laughs> Mary, you're not going to believe this. Not going to believe it. And you're not going to believe the cost, right? A teenage girl in that day, pregnant outside of wedlock, outside of the consummation of the marriage. Oh. If you're part of the family of God, we get to announce good news. We get to work out what God is working in us, and that's really a privilege, folks. Pay attention to what the Lord's doing in you. Celebrate it, acknowledge it, cooperate with it, yield to it. Yeah, you'll struggle with it. It might be messy, but that's okay. But let's give birth to what he's doing in us in this day. And then, Jesus is worthy of our testimony. So if you've been touched by God through Jesus, then spread the word like the shepherds did. Tell what God has done, is doing, and is going to do. That's really newsworthy. Treasure and reflect on it like Mary did. Treasure and reflect on what God has said and done. Take the time. <clears throat> I pray in this busy Christmas season you'll take time to jot down some of the things God stirred up in you, some of the things you're processing. Lift your voice in glorifying and praising God like the angels did in the shepherds. I just, uh, my family thinks I'm weird, but I get certain songs in my head. I'm going to share with one with you in just a minute, and you're going to be excited. It's going to get stuck in your head. But I just put it on loop. I, I listen to it, uh, I don't know how many times, but for hours. Because I want that. It's just, it's got in my spirit, and it's, and it's stirring me up, and it's helping me to give vocabulary to my praise and my glory to the Lord. So you're going to hear one of my songs this morning. I didn't write it. For King and Country did, but they're still good. And then I want you to share what you've seen, heard, and experienced in fulfillment of the prop promises of God. There are promises that God has given to you, and you ought to be just going, Would, you, you will never believe what God did for me. Let me tell you what God did for me. Let me tell you what God's doing for me. This is amazing. I didn't have a job. I've got a job. I didn't, I didn't have a breakthrough. I got a breakthrough. I don't have patience, and God's put me in a circumstance to test my patience. Isn't that good news? We have good news of great joy to share with people. We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.